ready for another outpouring of the Spirit on your life this morning. Amen. We have, man, just a couple of needs this morning, and I wanted to ask Brother Maxwell Botong if you would make your way up here to open the service for us. And man, we want to remember a brother out in Arizona, Brother Neil Motter. He's uh, had a pretty serious emergency condition about a month ago or so, and they asked again this morning that we'd remember him in prayer. He's going to be transferred to another facility soon. And man, just has a has a very serious need in his body. I know there's a few of you that have not felt the best this camp, and I know there's been some that have had just some itching and different things as well. And but just remember each one of us that the Lord would protect those here at the camp. And if you have a need of somebody here, maybe a need of somebody back home where you're from, and you just want to lift it to the Lord this morning. And, Amen. Say, come by my way and meet my need. As he comes, let's just sing this little chorus. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Amen. Just lift your hands and surrender to him. Say, I lift my hands, I bow my knees to worship and Oh, I need you. I need you, Lord, right now. Amen. Just sing it one more time. Just take your knee to his throne this morning. I need you, Lord. I need you now. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you now. I lift my hands. And I bow my knees to worship at your throne. Amen. God bless you all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. The Heavenly Father, Lord God. Just want to say thank you this morning, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, that you've watched over us through the night of God. You open yet another day unto us, O oh God. And as we're singing, Lord, in the song, oh Lord God, as this new day has been opened, Lord, we may have many needs, but Lord, the greatest need we have is you, O oh God. Lord, for with you, O oh Lord God, all things are possible, Lord. In order when you come, O Lord, the situation changes, O God. We know when you come, the Father lives are transformed, O God. We know when you come, O Lord God, in the darkness, Lord, light starts to shine again, Lord. Father, this morning, Lord God, we truly need you, O Lord God. Lord, the service will be nothing without you moving, O God, Lord. This gathering will be in vain, O Lord God, if you are not here, O Lord. Well, Father, we're grateful that you gave us a promise and you said wherever two or three are gathered in your name, that will you be in your midst, O God. 
So Father, we believe that you are here this morning, oh God. Father, we just want to give you the liberty this morning that you can move in our midst, oh God. Lord, you can speak to hearts this morning, oh God. Lord, you can break chains this morning, oh God. Father, we've been seeing moving from service to service, and we just ask once more, Lord. Once more this morning, oh God, Lord, sweep over your people, Lord. Once more this morning, Lord, brood over your people, Lord God. Go to pew to pew, Lord. Go to person to person, Lord. Deal with every heart, oh Lord God, we pray this morning. Father, you've seen the many needs, oh Lord, that were lifted up to you, oh God. Father, we know that you care for each and every one of them, Lord. And we just ask that you meet with each and every one this morning, Lord. And the brother, Lord, in the hospital that needs to touch off you, Lord, we pray you touch him, oh God. And Father, we take control of the service, anoint our brother as the legion song, the musicians, anoint them, oh God. And open our hearts, oh Lord, as your word comes, oh Lord, that we may receive it, oh God. Father, surely, Lord, we might be tired, but Lord, help us to shake ourselves this morning, Lord. And to be able to be attentive to the word of God. And anoint your servant as he comes behind this desk, oh God, Lord. We pray you lay the man aside, O God, that you will step on two feet, O Lord God, this morning. And you will speak directly to us, O God. You are the discerner of every heart and every thought, O God. So discern us this morning, Lord. And Lord, be make yourself real to us like never before, O God. We give the service into your hands, Lord. Take it, Lord, and glorify your name in it, O God. We ask all this in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. That's your cry this morning. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child. I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am. my mother's womb and from my mother's womb you have chosen me I'm glad your love you called my name and I've been born again into your family I know your blood flows through my veins I'm no longer 
y'all just love them this morning. This song is very special to me, and I feel like it's a, a first chapter in all our lives at some point. Just...
left home I knew I broke in his heart And I wondered then If things could ever be the same Then one night I remembered his love for me And down the dusty road There I could see it was the only time The only time I ever saw him Home again, he lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes with forgiveness in his voice. He said, Son, do you know I still love you? He caught me by surprise and he brought me to my knees when God read. I saw him. I was so ashamed, all alone and so far away. But now I know he's been waiting for this day. Oh, I saw him run to me. He took me in his arms, held my head to his chest, said, My son's come home again. He lifted my face, wiped the tears from my eyes. Sing it with me if you know it. Ain't no more 
She's thankful for that. Amen. He could run to you 
and he'd never leave you when he gets there. Amen. Amen. We certainly appreciate what the Lord has done for us here, and amen. Thank you for those specials. We have another this morning, Brother John Amodi, and if he'd make his way, just want to sing that chorus together as he comes. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. I am not alone. I am not alone. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? And I know you will never see with all your heart. Say, I am not alone. I am not alone. You will Why don't we just give the Lord another hand clap of praise? Locked up deep inside God's children is there for this final ride. You got the faith for your victory. You can move mountains if you only believe. And if you are living in captivity, and there seems to be no way out, my friend, God's word has said so apply the You don't have to be defeated God's will will see you through Stand and proclaim in Jesus' name All the promised inheritance And if the enemy keeps coming like a flood Tell them your sins They all are under the blood Justified for all of us in Christ was crucified. So we have the keys to all the enemy's schemes. Seven seals have been revealed. Now stand and proclaim your liberty. So apply the faith. Oh my God has given you. You don't have to be defeated. God's Oh, stand and proclaim in Jesus' name Oh, the promise in the returns And if the enemy keeps coming like a flood Your sins, they all are under the blood Won't you apply the faith My God has given you You don't have to be defeated God's word will see you through Stand and proclaim in Jesus' name and if the enemy keeps coming like a flood of your sins, they all are under the blood. 
They all are under the blood Telling your sins They all are under the blood One more Telling your sins They all are under the blood praise that we have this morning. Amen. Amen. Every praise he's worthy of. Every praise is to our God and every word of worship in one Every praise, every praise oh, is to our God. Sing every praise again. Every
That song was wrote for the bride of Jesus Christ. You don't know, like I know, what he's done for me. Amen. I believe we're, we're, singing, we're singing our testimony. And you don't know like I know. Well, Wayne Lawson said that song was wrote for Ron Spencer. <laughs> Amen. Aren't you thankful? Let's sing it one more time. Well, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. Oh, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. Well, you don't know like I know what he's done for me. What the Lord he has done for me. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. I get joy when I think about what he's done for me. thus far about this camp I get happy when I think about it hallelujah hallelujah what an awesome honor it is to be standing here today recognizing that Easter is not just a day but Easter is in our heart amen what a resurrection that was but what a resurrection this is Amen. We want to just want to say thank you to Brother Tim and the church, Brother Timothy. And, uh, we just want to say how much we appreciate you from the depths of our heart and his love for the young people and the continuation of having this youth camp. And, and aren't you blessed today to be able to be a part of these things? Amen. Amen. We certainly, certainly count it a privilege to be standing here today with our, with our pastor, Brother Ron, and also Brother Donnie Reagan. And, just a marvelous job in the Word, and I tell you what, I after Brother Donnie got done, I thought, man, alive, let me get at him a little bit. So I thought I'd just go over here in the concordance this morning, start preaching a little bit. So, but uh, we certainly love Brother Donnie, and he's in our prayers every single day. And and uh, I wanted to just take a moment and uh, say that we have been under great anticipation for for these meetings and. Then um, Brother Aaron Oglesby losing his dad this this past week, and and uh, I know that I know that we know where Brother Ross is, and Brother Aaron is. Last weekend, I don't know if you were able to catch it there at Word of Life there in Johnson City, but Brother Aaron sure preached his heart out, and I've always thought a lot of Brother Aaron, but last weekend he showed his colors as a man of God, and to stand under the pressure of losing your daddy and preaching a convention like that, it's just it just shows who you really are, and. I certainly think the world of Brother Aaron. He means a lot to me and my family. And we were, we were in the, at this meeting, and the Lord called him, and and we just see the marvelous works of the Holy Ghost. And Amen. How many received a baptism of the Holy Ghost last night in this service? Last night. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we ought to be able to rejoice about that this morning. We received a portion of heaven. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, we'd like to look over 
a few places of the scripture this morning. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, just a few places in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and 12 and also Acts chapter 2 and I want to say it's an honor to have my, my wife and my children here with us this weekend and it's not, we don't get to travel together all the time but we certainly count it an honor when our children can travel with us and my little Allie's trying her best to get involved in this Pruitt family down here so She's only eight years old, but I think she's going on 30, so. And so, we're trying to get these two family trees tied together here, so. She's going to do her best anyhow. <laughs> so, amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And before we read, let's just speak to the author of the word. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, we recognize, Lord Jesus, that that you are our Father, Lord, and what a privilege it is for us to be called your children and to know, Father, that standing right here, Lord, in your presence, Lord. Lord, that we there are needs, Lord Jesus, that only you can meet, Father. We just invite you, Lord, the God of the Word, to come and take, and Lord, let, let the Holy Ghost begin to move the bow across our heart, Lord, that it would ring out the manifestations of the Holy Ghost here today. We just invite you to come, Lord, and take complete control of this service, Father. Every hand that is lifted up, every need that is here. Lord, we ask, God, that you would move on this, upon, this, upon this service today, Lord, that you would be high and lifted up, Father. Lord, I, I, I know that I have needs in my body, and there's other brothers, and my, my own father, and Sister Erica, Father, needs a touch from you. But, Lord, we know, God, that you're still the great I am. And I pray today, Lord, as we just get ourselves out of the way just for a moment, that the Holy Ghost would begin to take control of this service and you would have the preeminence, Father. Lord, not myself, not for my glory, but Lord, I humble myself before you, Lord. And I ask that you take these little thoughts, Lord, that you've placed on my heart to speak today and you'd bless your kingdom today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 and Paul said that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. For I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. Also Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2 and verse And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. May God bless his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. 
By the help of the Lord today, I'd like to speak to you just a, a moment in time on unashamed, unashamed of the Pentecostal experience. Unashamed of the Pentecostal experience. And I, I think it's a wonderful thing to be sitting here today and recognize that God has has deposited a part of himself into this generation. A, a, we recognize that we are a very special people to be sitting here under the greatest message that's ever been released upon the face of the earth and to recognize that we're not just talking to uh, just another crowd here today, but we are talking to the purchase power of Jesus Christ. We're talking to the queen of heaven, a, a lady that knows who she is and she is not ashamed of who she is. And I think it's a wonderful thing that if we can stand here under this message and be able to preach it in its fullness and its entirety without any bounds upon it, without any chains upon it. And I think it's a wonderful thing that, that we could sit here today as young people and as a generation that we can praise him in spirit and in truth. And Paul said that I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. And that word ashamed, it means, it means to confound, it means to dishonor. And it means to bring shame. It means to put to shame or make ashamed, to be ashamed, or to blush with shame. And I know that oftentimes as young people that, that the world has a way of making you ashamed of what you believe in. And Paul said that he was not dishonored by the power of Jesus Christ. He was not disgraced. And he was not shameful about the power of Jesus Christ. But I know that the, the world has a way of putting its pressure upon our young people to make them ashamed of what they believe. And a while back I asked our young people there at Full Gospel Lighthouse, I asked them, I asked them what was the hardest trial or the toughest trial that they have to face in this day. And their response, it wasn't depression. It wasn't anxiety and it wasn't fear. But they said it was standing up for what you believe or making a public stand when others profess to be Christians but that their lives can't match the power of a Christian life. So they were saying, they were saying to me, it wasn't, it wasn't depression, it wasn't anxiety, but it was standing up for what you believe. When they say that they're Christians and they say that they're believers and they say this, but yet they cannot match up to it. But I think it's a wonderful thing today. And I have to say that I'm very proud to be standing here identified with a young people that is not ashamed to stand up and live this message out because that's what exactly what William Branham said is that it is the thunder that shakes the devil is that real sanctified life that real life it isn't emotions it isn't it isn't a, it isn't a bunch of hoopla but it is that real sanctified life it's the voice of God in the bride of Jesus Christ that is thundering out and shaking the very demon power of hell and I think that if we can't live this message then we ought to pack up our Bible and go on back home but I don't believe that we're just talking to a bunch of mechanical devices that, that just can't live it out but I believe that we're talking to human vessels that have so solely surrendered them out to the power of the Holy Ghost that they'll say God I want you to come and feel me I want you to come and anoint me I want you to come and have your way in my life and I, I believe that if we've got a young people here that can get under the inspiration of Malachi 4 that they can run under this message and we are not we are not made out of running material and running away from the world and running away from the critics and, and ashamed of what the critics have said about us but we are not made out of that running material but we have been made and birthed by the very kingdom of God and we are not ashamed to stand here and say that we are not ashamed of the power of Jesus Christ 
Now, Brother Branham said, now, one time I was a sinner. He said, one time I'd have never stood behind this pulpit. He said, one time, you know, he said, you'd have never heard me raise my voice and say amen. He said, I'd have been too ashamed to. He said, there would have been one time, he said, I would have never had a teardrop in my eyes. He said, I'd have been ashamed to say or ashamed to. He said, I was big, bad Bill. He said, but one day Jesus Christ met me in the power of his resurrection and he crushed he crushed that stony heart and took it out of me and he put a new mind in. He put a new nature. He put a new person in here. And today, today because he lives... I live also. And to think of the power of Jesus Christ, how powerful that the Holy Ghost is, that it breaks the very power or the very barrier of humanity that makes us want to draw back in as a turtle and, and hide from things. But it breaks the very barrier of humanity and makes us unashamed of the gospel. In one way, you'd have never been here and you'd never would have danced in the spirit or acted the way that you was because you had too much dignity about you. But because of the power of the Holy Ghost upon your life It breaks the very barriers of humanity And you really don't care what the world has got to say about you You see Brother Branham said I was one time a sinner I was too ashamed to do it But he came and he made me a new creature He put a new nature on the inside of me And that's the only way that you're going to be able to stand You might be able to stand right here Under the emotions of the natural part of it But after you get outside of this camp And you go go out there and you face the trials you're going to have to have something more than emotion now there's one guy that's going to preach to you that believes in emotion but you're going to have to have more than emotional experience just to live outside of this camp you're going to have to real have a real genuine Pentecostal Acts 2 Holy Ghost experience to be able to make it out in the real world because it's a real world where Satan is wanting to destroy the very life of every person that is identified with the most powerful weapon that there is and it is the word of God and William Bradham said in the message ashamed he said if you're ashamed of the Pentecostal experience he said you're ashamed of the word he said because the Pentecostal experience is the word made flesh today and I'll say if you're identified with this message you cannot be ashamed of it we are not ashamed of the power of Jesus Christ. And I think it's an amazing thing to be able to worship God in spirit and in truth. But you see, we are not following a movement that started that started in 1965. But we are following a movement that started over 2,000 years ago. Up there in the day of Pentecost. And I believe that it's high time that the church of the living God goes back to her roots. Find out who she is. Go back in there where Jesus Christ paid for our redemption. And Brother Branham said that there he purchased the bride tree on the day of Pentecost. And there she's standing here. Her roots is in Acts 2. Her anointing is in Acts 2. But you're a special class of people. You're not just under an Acts 2 anointing. But you are under a Revelations 10 anointing to rise up. And take the book out of the mighty hand of the angel. To stand here and to thwart every power of hell. Now notice what Brother Branham said to us in the Ephesian church age. He said thus what the church was at Pentecost is the standard. That is the pattern. There is no other pattern. No matter what scholars say, God has not changed that pattern. What God did at Pentecost, he has to keep on doing until the church age is closed. Those scholars may tell you the apostolic age is over. Don't you believe it? 
You hear me, young people? Those scholars around the message want to say that the apostolic age is over. Don't you believe it? Don't you believe it? Such a statement is wrong on two counts. First of all, it's wrong to suppose that there aren't any more apostles just because the original 12 are dead. An apostle means a sent one. And there are many sent ones today, but they are called missionaries. And as long as men are being called and sent forth with the word of life, there is an apostolic age going on. Secondly, they refer to an age of manifested Holy Ghost power as being over since the Bible has been completed. That is untrue. There is not even one scripture that suggests, but many conclusively state otherwise. He said, but here is our proof that both of these charges are false. Acts 2 and 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and to your children and to them that are afar off, even as many as our Lord our God shall call. The promise of power... The promise of power with the apostles was endued at Pentecost is to you Jews and to your children Jews and to all that are far off Gentiles and to as many as the Lord our God shall call both Jew and Gentile and until he stops calling. Can anybody tell me where God shut it up and said that the day of Pentecost is over and the apostolic age is over? Come on, somebody. I'll give you the deed to my house. I'll give you the deed to my land. If you can prove to me by the Bible where the apostolic age was finished and God is not calling no more. He said, but until he stops calling, the Pentecostal message and power will not cease. I am a witness that he's still calling. I am a witness that he's still healing. I am a witness that he still gives the Holy Ghost. I'm a witness that he still saves. I'm a witness that he still delivers. I'm a witness today that the power of Pentecost has returned to the church of the living God. And what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. Originally she had the pure word of God. She originally had the pure word of God. She had the power of the Spirit manifested in diverse signs and wonders and gifts of the Holy Ghost. And I want to come back to that just a little bit later. But the further you get away from the power source of this Bible, the weaker it becomes. The further you get away from a Pentecostal experience, the weaker it becomes. It's just like any power source, whether it be electrical or whether it be water current. You see, the further that you get away from it, the weaker that it becomes. You see, you, when they put up a meal, when they put up a meal at a grinding meal, they get close to where a very powerful rapid is. But they do not place it in some pond of man-made ideas or, or creeds and dogmas because it had, it's just still water. And it cannot churn out the very power of the, of the grain that is laying there. So if you want to get something crushed out of your life, you're going to have to get under where the power is at. I have to be honest, we don't want to be sitting here under a bunch of teachings of that has no power under it. But I believe that if we're going to be somewhere where we want to children to be delivered by the power of hell and by the power of pornography, then we ought to be sitting here under the most powerful message that's ever been preached to us. And we're not here to teach you. We're not here to teach you and try to talk you into some intellectual idea, but to get you baptized under the anointing of Malachi 4 baptized with the Holy Ghost 
You see, the further that you get away from that power source, it loses its power. You, you brothers that do construction, you know good and well that you need to be close to a power source. If you're running a generator and you're running a 500-yard 500 500 yard electrical cord, it's going to lose its power the further that it gets away. It's losing its amperage the further that it gets away from its power source. But the closer that you get to it, the closer you get to it, the more power that you have. The power that has been released is what you will get at the end of the circuit. And let me say this. I know it was 2,000 years ago, but God has not lost his power. God has not lost his anointing. And the closer we get to an Acts 2 anointing, the more powerful that we will be. And I'll say, don't you ever distance yourself from this anointing. But let me preach it to you in the natural realm so that you can understand it. It's just that way in the natural realm of those that have dealt with drugs, dealt with alcohol, that the closer that you are under it, the higher the influence is upon your life. I'm just talking in the natural, that the closer that you are to it, Brother Philip, it has more power upon your life. And But those people know if they can separate themselves from the people that they're living with or the people that they're associating with, that they can get away from it, that they might be able to clean up their life just a little bit. But I'm not talking to you some natural life. I'm talking to you the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And if you can get close, if you can get under this anointing, it matters where you're anointed by. It matters what you're under. You're not under a Baptist idea. You're not under a Church of Christ idea. You are under the message of the hour. And William Branham didn't take it and he didn't add to. He simply revealed what was laying there. He said, Brother Andrew, I, I, I don't know if I can do like you. You better be careful. You better be careful what you say you will and what you say you won't do. Now notice what Jesus said in John 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches and he that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now notice what Brother Branham said. It was not so from the beginning. He said, if the first church was a product of that vine, Jesus Christ and wrote a book of Acts out of it, the second branch will have to be the same thing or it's been grafted into something that has a different life. Now notice, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. He said, if the first branch brought forth joy, love, loyalty, the gifts of the Spirit, casting out evil spirits and water baptism by immersion. And if we today find that not all in the church, the church is not getting its life from the vine. He said, for church today, he said, we Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, and whatever more. He said, if our church cannot write a book of Acts behind this church, then it's in the wrong vine. There's something wrong with it. He said, but if Jesus was here on earth today, he said, I'd walk up to him and I'd say, Lord Jesus, I go to a church that doesn't believe in divine healing. He would say, it wasn't so from the beginning, if I went to Jesus and said, Lord, my church does not believe in speaking with other tongues, he would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. He said, if I went to the Lord Jesus and said, I've been sprinkled and my church says it's all right, my pastor says, if I sprinkle you with the water, it's just as good as immersion in water. Jesus would answer, it wasn't so from the beginning. He said, if I walked up to Jesus and I shook hands with, with the right hand of fellowship from the church, I believe that I've been born again. Jesus would say, it wasn't so from the beginning. It's true. He said, we've got to get back to the beginning. Where did the church leave Jesus? 
at Pentecost. That's where churches will have to go back to find him, back to Pentecost. And the further you get away from this Pentecostal experience, the weaker your life becomes. But if you can say, I go to a church and they preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost, Jesus would say it was so from the beginning. You could say, I go to a church and they preach divine healing. Jesus would say it was so from the beginning. I go to a church where they believe in speaking in tongues. Jesus would say it was so from the beginning. I'll say this, if Jesus said all the way back there that Erica Parker could be healed, Jesus would say it was so from the beginning. If he said Esther Smith could have a baby, he would say it was so from the beginning. If he said Ron Spencer could be healed of cancer, Jesus would say it was so from the beginning. If Jesus was here today, he would say that these young people can be so filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He would say it was so from the beginning. You're not standing here under the voice of a man. You're standing here under the voice of Malachi 4. Under the restoration of the word that tells you you can have everything that's laid out in the Bible. And if healing was there, we can have healing. If miracles was there, we can have healings. Come on, somebody. If he, if he got me out of drugs and if he got me out of sin, he can get you out of the mess that you're in. Come on, somebody. I know you might be ashamed of Jesus. You might be ashamed of him. But one of these days, you're going to have to get to a spot that you are not ashamed of him. Because there is coming a time where every knee should bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you might be ashamed of him right now. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you. But let me give you something. That give me, let me give you just a little bit of scripture for you today. That when Jesus is talking about Abraham over in, through, the, through Paul in Hebrews chapter 2 and 11, he said, but I am not ashamed to call them brethren. The rest of the world might be ashamed of you, but Jesus ain't ashamed of you. He ain't ashamed the way you act. He ain't ashamed the way you believe. He is not ashamed to call you brethren. So I'd be careful distancing yourself from the power of this. Now notice that in the beginning that there in Genesis chapter 2 that the Bible said that and Adam said this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. When he called and created Eve, he said and she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. But notice in verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Now notice they're both there. They're both naked, but they were not ashamed. But you can flip over to the very next chapter in the Bible and you can see that when Satan came in and he tricked Eve into sinning and disbelieving the word of God, you see they were still in the same form, but something had happened. They were still naked, but shame had came upon their lives. What was it? They had started eating off the wrong tree. And every time you go to eating off the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it'll make you ashamed of the message. And I know what I'm talking about today. And it's all right if the devil gets nervous in here. He's got every right to be nervous. But I am not ashamed of this message. You see, because every time you go to eating off that tree of intellectual conception and wisdom, it begins to break off of the anointing of the power of faith. You see, but what it was... When Brother Branham goes back there in the Garden of Eden and he watches Adam and Eve walk out of the Garden of Eden, he said, I watched them walk out and I heard those bloody garments of that lamb 
beating against Adam's legs. You see what it was? It was the blood that covered them as they walked out of Eden. And it'll take the blood of Jesus Christ to march you right back into Eden. And if you don't have a blood over your life, you have a powerless religion. You see, it'll be the blood that takes you all the way back into an Acts 2 anointing. You've got to have blood on your worship. You've got to have blood on your altar. You've got to have blood on your sacrifice. This ain't some blood of just a mere lamb, but this is the blood of the Lamb of God that had enough blood that he didn't lose his power when he saved Brother Nathan. He didn't lose his power when he saved Brother Seth. He didn't lose his power when he saved this one. But this lamb that was slain had enough power to cover every single one of you. Every generational curse. Every little thing that your mom and your daddy got involved in. Died of drugs. Died of prostitute. Died of alcoholism. This blood has the power to break the chains off of your life. This blood is so powerful. It goes all the way back. All the way back and it covers everything that was before and everything that behind. Let me say he's not just the God of your future. He's not just the God of your present. He's the God of your past. He was watching over your life throughout every generation and he was making sure that he got you to this spot so that you could come to this spot and receive a gene seed of God. Before the foundation of the world, the lamb was slain for you. Let me tell you, young people, there is no chain that is too great. There is no darkness that is too powerful. There is no darkness. There is no devil. There is no chain. There is no imp of hell that is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. You might be so lost and you feel like there's no hope for you. You say, Brother Andrew, I'm as lost as lost can be. That means you can be found. It's the best sign in the world that you can be found if you're lost. But don't stay that way. The Father is seeking those. You see, you, you see, Brother Branham told us, he said, God made you with a place so that you could empty out. If you could maybe cut that air off of me, it would sure help me. He said, but God made you with a place to empty up of the things of this world. You see, God made you with that place so that you could empty out because God can't fill you when you're full of yourself. You see, you could be so, he said you could be so religious and still be so filled with the baptism or you could be so religious and still be just as full of the devil with it. Now, let me tell you, I'm not, I've dealt with a lot of devils in my ministry. But the most powerful or the most one that has the most problem getting rid of is that religious devil. I'm good enough. I go to a message church. You watched it in the skit yesterday. I go to a message church. I do these such and such things. And you get a religious spirit on top of you. But Brother Branham said it's high time that some sissified preacher take the gloves off and start beating the devil down with it. I think it's time that we get back to everything that God has given to us. If Paul preached it, if William Branham preached it, then we ought to go all the way back, pull the gloves off, call black, black and white, white. I know some people are scared of it, but it's the truth anyhow. Remember when Brother Branham goes up there to Mr. Walk and he's, he's under his, 
He's under his early ministry and he's trying to find everything, settle everything in his mind, trying to find where God is leading him at. He's got brothers that are telling him that the gift that he has upon his life is of the devil, that these visions that he's got, they're, they're of the devil. And Brother Random goes up there and he finds a friend up there in Michigan and he goes, he goes and meets with him. And as he's driving back, he goes by a place by Mishawaka and there he sees those signs of those Jesus-only people. And he goes in there and he stops in that meeting there. And there Brother Branham witnessed the very power of the Holy Ghost for the first time where he witnessed the very anointing of God coming down and they were speaking in tongues and there there was prophecy afterwards. But you remember, I ain't going to give you everything, but you remember that Brother Branham said that he watched as that that anointing would fall upon the, upon the just and the unjust. And there that one man was a real righteous man. But there on the other hand, there was that man that was living with another man's wife out there. But the spirit of the living God was falling upon both of them. But notice that Brother Brown, when he goes back, what, he, what does he do? He's watching that that rain is falling on the just and the unjust. You see, the rain was meant for you. But the weeds were rejoicing under the same rain that was meant for the harvest. And you recognize where you are under? You're not just under, you're not just under a former rain, but you are under a harvest rain that is prepared, preparing a crop for the greatest harvest that there ever has been. But you remember what Brother Branham said? He said, out there, he went back and he told his wife Hope about all of these things. He begins to tell her, said, I'll tell you, sis. He said, I was up there and them people was not ashamed of their gospel. She said, he said, they clapped their hands. They shouted. They spake in tongues. She said, you don't mean that. He said, oh, yeah. You know, it reminds me a lot of you people. He said, they ain't ashamed to worship their God. Brother Branham goes down there and he starts talking to his mama, tells her everything that he's seen up there in Mishawaka. She said, you know, we used to have some people over there at the Lone Star Meeting House. She said, but you know, she said, they used to get excited like that. He said, she said, but they faded out after time. He said, but these people ain't faded out. But Brother Branham, notice what Brother Branham said. He said, I went over there. And he said, they had invited me to all of those meetings. And he said, I went over and started talking to Sister Brumbach about these things. That they'd asked me to come out and preach those revivals. He said, this is where the beginning of my sorrow started. He said, this ministry would have manifested years ago. If I wouldn't have listened to others, but I'd have listened to God instead. That he went up there and Miss Brumbach and told her about these things. She said, William Branham, you don't mean to tell me you're going to take my daughter out there where she'll starve to death one night and starve to death the next night or whatever and you'll mix her up in the trash like that. He said, what I found out, he said, what she was calling trash was the cream of the crop. Young people, let me tell you, the world might call you trash and the world might call you nothing but leftovers, but you're the cream of the crop. You're the best that God's got. And we are not ashamed to stand with you. But what I love about this, even though the devil came in and the sorrows came in and his wife was gone and his daughter was gone, his daddy was gone, his brother was gone, his sister-in-law was gone, it could not keep him away from Pentecost. I'm not talking about an axe or an Azusa and a Jubilee, but I'm talking about an axe to anointing. William Branham preached to the Pentecostals but he rebuked them because they had shook and God had shook every gift in front of them 
But you notice what the shuck was doing. It was pushing out so the real seed could come. Don't you recognize who you are? You're bone of his bone, life of his life, power of his power. And Satan tried his very best to keep William Branham away from the real truth. But he couldn't do it. He threw every sign in front of him. He threw every critic in front of him. But he couldn't keep him away from it. Every devil in hell's tried to keep you from this meeting. Every devil in hell's tried to keep you from this message. But there is an anointing that is here that would not let you go down in sin, that would not let you fall. He wanted to make sure, sis, that you got everything you had need of. He wanted to make sure you had the power to tear down pornography and tear down suicide and tear down. He wanted to make sure you got what you needed. And when God deposited his own life, he tore apart a contract at Calvary. He tore apart his spirit and he put, he put it on the inside of this body. She's not ashamed of him. But can I say it about him? He's not ashamed of you. He ain't ashamed of you. And we're not ashamed to stand with him. If he called me to be a son, I'll stand here. If he called me to be his anointing, I'll be right here. But we're not going to let every devil or any devil stand on our God-given privileges. The devil's trying to keep you away from your joy and keep you away from your peace and keep you away from your anointing. But God says, not today. These are mine. I called them. I elected them. I chose them. They're mine. So what is God looking for? He's looking for empty vessels that he can pour himself out into. Somebody, somebody that can shake the very kingdoms of hell. I'll say, here we are. We're not waiting for another generation. We're here. We're right here. We're under the anointing. And if we're under the anointing, we might as well live it out. And if we're going to live it out, we might as well tear down every devil. We might as well tear down every stronghold. We might as well. Come on, somebody. If there was anointing there, there's an anointing here. If there was dancing there, there's dancing here. If there was speaking in tongues there, there's speaking in tongues here. But too many Church of Christ preachers want to keep you away from your inheritance. You watch what God told the children of Israel throughout all the Old Testament to drive out the inhabitants of their land. And you watch over in Judges chapter 2 that they go over there and they, had, they let devils live. They let them Philistines and those giants live on their land. What did God do? He turned all of those, all of those things that were on them, he turned them back on the church. But watch, if you let a devil live on your property, he's going to steal away your joy. He'll steal away your peace. Before long, he'll steal away your girlfriend. He'll steal away your boyfriend. He'll steal away your wife. If you let the devil sleep around with you, you'll wake up and you won't know whose bed you're in. But if you can find under the anointing of Malachi 4 that there is a restoration of the book of Acts and a gift of the tongues and a gift of the Holy Ghost, you're going to find your victory. And every devil, why is the devil so nervous? Because he recognizes that if you get this same power, he'll never contain you. I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about just joy, but I'm talking about a power. 
a power that has the ability to break cancer as it's nothing. It has the power to break every stronghold as it's nothing. But you've got to drive off every, every little devil off of its land. As well as just a little bitty thing. It's the little foxes that destroy the vine. Now notice what Brother Andrew said. He said where he preached a very powerful message. 1955, he said, where I think Pentecost failed. He said, now where I think it is, friend, he said, there's two things. He has said that we have to watch. He said, one of them's an intellectual religion. And the other one, the other one is a born-again experience. He said, one of them is the head is in the head, and the other one's in the heart. You see, it's not possible for you to fully serve God and keep the enemy around. You cannot let him live on your property. And no matter where Satan goes, he's on God's property. Because when Jesus died at Calvary and shed his blood over you, God hung a no trespassing sign over your life. He said, get off of my property. They're mine. Devil's robbed you, he's lied to you, told you all kinds of things. Won't you tell him, get out of here. Come on, young people. I know where you're at, 13 to 18 years old is where 85% of their Christian, Brother Branham said 85% of Christianity gives their heart to the Lord between 13 and 18 years old. And I know where the devil's trying to get you at is in the midst of your youth. Why don't we just go ahead and drive him out of here before he ever gets a hold on your life? He didn't bring you no joy. He didn't bring you no peace. That devil, when he talked you into smoking them cigarettes, he didn't bring you nothing but destruction. When he talked you into doing those dirty deeds, he didn't bring you nothing but a bad complex afterwards. So he's got nothing to offer you but death. But God is offering you all things. He's giving you eternal life. Sister Caitlin right here, her, her grandma... Her grandma and granddaddy was telling me a story one time that back in the day, you young people don't understand this, but back in the day, you go get your milk out of the refrigerator and say, man, it's good. But back in the day, brothers and sisters, had to, they had to churn out the butter, churn out the milk. They was churning out. And there, there her great-grandma was there and she was churning out the milk and they was, you know, they were sitting around on them rocking chairs that Caleb was sitting on. They was out there churning the milk, having a good time. And they went out there one morning and got, got to go in there where the churner was and went in there. And they got to turning and got to looking in there. And oh, an old rat got down inside that thing. She got to looking at, she pulled that thing out by its tail, pulled it on out of there. She started scraping the milk off of it. She said, you didn't take none in and you ain't taking none out. Well, devil, you didn't bring me no joy. You didn't bring me no peace. So I sure as a world ain't gonna let you take away my peace, take away my joy, take away my happiness, take away my dance. God gave it to me. And if it's my inalienable right, I ain't gonna let no devil in hell take it from me. You didn't bring me no dance. You didn't bring me no peace. You didn't bring me no joy. You didn't bring me no happiness. You ain't taking none in and you ain't taking none out. Young people, we are not ashamed. I don't care if I got to scream in tongues, throw in tongues, dance, shout, slobber, whatever I got to do. And that's when you get dangerous. Is when you don't care. When you don't care. That's when you get dangerous is when you don't care. 
You say, Brother Andrew, you are crazy. I don't care. You say, Brother Andrew, I sure as the world don't want to act like you. You know, I was sitting there one time with you. But when God got a hold of my life, when he puts fire on the altar, there's only one way I can act when the fire falls. He said, well, you're crazy. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen nothing yet. You think I'm crazy here. You wait till I get over there on the streets of gold and I'm up there with King David and I start dancing my way out on streets of gold. You ain't seen nothing yet. You think you've had victory. You just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. But you can have it. Brother Branham said every generation has a fresh chance of the word of God. You've got an opportunity this morning that Marilyn Monroe would love to have. Elvis would love to have. But wow, we got a chance. You say a revival in our day? Absolutely. Right now, you're under the greatest anointing that there ever has been. You say, well, it don't look like a revival's coming my way. Let me tell you, if opportunity doesn't knock, why don't you make a door? Say, God, here I am. Start a revival in me. And Brother Random said in every generation or every age, it was the same cry. Hear what the Spirit says. Every fresh and true revival will because men have gotten back to the Word for their age. He said from the very first book in the Bible, Genesis, to the last book, there's only one reason for God's displeasure. It's leaving the word. And there's only one remedy to regain his favor, and it's back to the word. You remember when William Branham's up there and he's watching that, that Lake Michigan up there and how it's jumping and frolicking around? And there it was, oh, it was, it was thrashing, and it was pushing all the trash out. William Branham said, well, that thing's having a revival. He said, what it was, he said, it was just the wind that got behind it and it was pushing the trash out of its life. That's what these meetings are about is get the trash, get the nonsense out of your life. But it'll make you recognize that you always had the power for revival, but all you needed was the wind. It's all you needed. It'll make you realize you still got enough to make it. You still got enough tenacity. You still got enough courage. You still got everything God gave you. So why don't you have a revival? Why don't you have a breakthrough? Give me one good reason why you can't have it. Come on, let's get down to the bare knuckles of things. Tell me why you can't have it. Is your, brother, is your brother holding you back? Is your sister holding you back? Is your accuser holding you back? You remember over in Luke chapter 13, there was a woman that was there that had been bowed up for 18 years. She'd been bowed up, bound up for 18 years in this process. But Jesus went up to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he goes up there and there he finds this sister that has been bound up for 18 years. On the Sabbath day, Jesus reaches over, touches her, and the Bible said that she was immediately made straight. But you know that the Bible tells us 
us that there was a bunch of hypocrites up there. And said, you know what? It ain't lawful for you to heal on the Sabbath day. He turned around and said, you bunch of hypocrites. You take your ass out and you take your ox out and you water it out there on the Sabbath day. But how much more should this daughter of Abraham that's been bound by Satan himself, how much more should she be loosed from her infirmity? Let me tell you, she was so sick, been bowed up, that all she could see was the ground. But all of a sudden, Jesus touched her and her eyes seen what Jesus was. And you may have been 18 years old and every devil in hell's tried to rob from you your joy, rob from you this message. But the author of life is looking on you. He says, come here. Let me touch you. Let me make you straight. 18 years is a long time. Long time to deal with this infirmity. But it didn't keep her from church. And we get so shook up when somebody took our seat at church. You know, the preacher didn't even look at me. Oh, maybe he did look at me. He pointed his finger at me. Most of the time, we're just pointing our finger. We ain't pointing it at you. But oh, we get so bombarded by the little things in life. But this woman, she was not ashamed to walk in front of them hypocrites, to walk in front of them and get her healing. How about you this morning? There's my friends out here, and they'll see me doing this. Or I, that little boy, he's been making googly eyes at me. And if I, if I just, if I really let him see, he just won't give me those eyes no more. Let me tell you, you better be careful. And I say that when Jesus was standing there, he said that the Bible said that his adversaries was ashamed of him, but the common people rejoiced over it. You can have your revival. You can have your anointing. What's holding you back? Brother Branham asked the question in 1959 of a deceived church by the world. He said, I saw a revival in our day. How can we have it when the regular revival giver is bound by the world? He said, God won't come in here where the world is. You can depend on that. You, you associate with the world. Then it's all of it. When you let the world creep in and you go to acting like the world, then you're finished. But when you cut loose every fetter from the world and come to God, God will use honey. God will use you until you go to flirting again. He said, here's the only hope that I have this morning. To wind up my message is this, that while Samson was bound, a new shock of hair growed out. He said, God sent us another church just before the end time that the power of the Holy Ghost can come into her in the demonstrations of the Spirit. And Mark 16 can follow the church. Acts 2 and 4. Acts 2, 38. All of it will be following right along with the church. Signs and wonders accompany the apostles. Great signs of his resurrection accompany them. While we're in the prison, surely God's growing a crop somewhere for the late grass, the late Last great kill. But I have been in so much trouble. I've been in so much sin. Let me tell you, Samson, God ain't looking at you. When Samson was at the harlot's house, God was not looking at him. 
when Samson was in the midst of trouble, God was not looking at him. God was looking at that Nazarite vow. He was looking at that promise. When he hung the gates of Gaza up there on the hill, God was looking at the promise. When he come in there and beat down a thousand Philistines, God was looking at the promise. God ain't looking at your mistakes. God ain't looking at your failures. He's looking at his promise. We've been bound too long. But people sat around. Sat around and made fun of the Holy Ghost. Made fun of the Holy Ghost. Made fun of how this one danced. Made fun of how this one preached. And they have bound the very anointing. They have bound it so much that our young people have to live with these things in their community. But here's one preacher that is not ashamed of the power of Jesus Christ. But they bound him with his creeds. They bound him with their dogmas. They bound him with their ideas. And you find the very source of it. A lot of time, them old, them old Church of Christ preachers of the message ain't got an axe to anointing upon their life so they can't preach it to you. And they bound you. I said, you're going to have to live like this the rest of your life. Let's just give you a little bit of intellect. Just, just believe it. Just, just, just say, I believe the message. I accept the message. I got the pillar of fire picture in my house. I, I carry it in my wallet. I, I've got the angels cloud. I got the cloud, the seven angels hanging in my house. And, and well, let's just give you a little bit of intellectual. Every time you go to eating off of that tree, you are binding the very word of God. You remember when Samson goes up there in Judges chapter 15, he goes up there and he's seeking a little bit of rest and he goes over into the cave of Edom and he goes up there when he's supposed to have a little bit of time after the revival where he could go up there and rest. But there, the Philistines start moving in around where Samson's at and they start coming around where the anointing's at and they're wanting to cut off the anointing. Now you see what's going on here. If Brother Donnie would have had a son, instead of two girls, they'd have been preachers. But you see what happened. He brought forth girls. And you see, so God wanted to make them prayer warriors. You see, if they'd have been boys, these granddaughters wouldn't have been here. But what he was trying, what Satan's trying to do is cut off Erica's anointing. But what Satan don't recognize is that when he pins us in a corner, God makes a way out. Because Satan may pin you in a corner with cancer. He may pin you under a car. But God has made a way of it for you. Because God has got angels that are dispatched waiting for the perfect moment. That when Moses got in trouble, when he was floating down the Nile River, God had angels lined out there to make sure that Moses got out of his trouble. There are angels that dispatched this morning to make sure that you get out of the mess that you're in. But these men, the Philistines come in. Notice what the tribe does. They start having a conversation with these devils. I said, are you up here for us? I said, oh no. We're up here after your anointing. We're up here after your Holy Ghost. And notice the Bible said that 3,000 men of the tribe of praise come in there 
and come up there to talk to Samson. Said, don't you recognize that we are under the rulership of these Philistines and they're going to take away our harvest. They're going to take away our praise. They're going to take away our joy if we don't bind you up. Ain't that a crazy devil? To make you think that he's going to take away everything that you got. Take away your liberty. Take away your joy by binding the anointing. So Samson said, I'll tell you what. If you promise not to kill me, I'll go down there with you. He said, well, we promise. And they bound him with two new cords. I find it amazing that, that the enemy is coming up with all kinds of things to try to stop the anointing. To bind the anointing. Intellectualism and education. Time and education working together trying to stop the anointing. Well, if God was really God, he'd already came and healed you. He was already came for you. He'd already saved you. He'd already delivered you. And he binds up the anointing. Because he knows that if he can bind up the anointing, he'll bind your life. You'll live a defeated life all your life. Live with them complexes. Live with them pressures. If he can just bind the anointing, he'll bind your healing. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to look at all the failures. Sam said, "Don't if you promise not to kill me, I'll walk with you. And he goes down there. And they bind him up. But he said, oh... We've bound the anointing way too long. And when the enemy started screaming at, at Samson, he began to scream out in the fire of the Holy Ghost, come and burn the cords off of him. I say right now that we have bound the anointing too long. We bound the anointing of the power of the Holy Ghost too long. And what the church had at Pentecost is her inalienable right. It's originally hers. She had the pure word. She had the power. She had the manifestation. She had signs. She had wonders. She had gifts of the Holy Ghost. And we're saying, Satan, we're not giving away our rights. And you ain't taking them away. You've bound our worship long enough. You've bound our praise long enough. I'm unashamed of him. Too many times people have blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Blasphemed the Holy Ghost. Made fun of the anointing. And they bind it over and over and over and over again. What they're trying to do is keep you away from this experience. Young people, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to grow up in a message church. I know what it's like to grow up under, under the great one of the great ministries. And I know how Satan tried to rob me from a Pentecostal experience. Because what he recognizes, if he can make you ashamed of this, he'll bind your life. He'll bind your anointing. He'll bind everything that you're meant to be. Because you see, what, what God is wanting to do with your life, he's wanting you to speak to mountains. He's wanting you to call down strongholds. He's wanting you to live a victorious life. He's wanting you to overcome. He's wanting you to live out this message. I'll put my voice with the voice of this prophet and said, I am not ashamed 
of this message. I'm not ashamed of the pillar of fire. I'm not ashamed of worship. I'm not ashamed of the anointing. I'm not ashamed of you. I'm not ashamed of these preachers. I'm not ashamed of this atmosphere because I recognize that in this atmosphere that supernatural things are happening. I recognize that the pillar of fire has come into this place today and he's come to give you everything that you have need of. You've been bound too long, young people. Bound thinking you'll never have enough power. Bound you think you'll never be good enough. But God's anointing is here. Isaiah 10 and 27 said that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke off of your life. We have come here. And until we come to a spot that we are unashamed of him in everything, he cannot use us in the capacity that he destined us to be. God's looking for worshipers that's not ashamed to worship him in spirit and truth. They're not ashamed to praise him. Young people, I know that you deal with with those that are looking around and those that are sitting here, but, but until you get to a spot where you don't care, until you don't care what the other ones think. You don't care how you act. You don't care what it looks like upon your life. Until you get to that spot. God cannot use you. In the capacity that he destined you to be. But when you can get to a spot. When you don't care. When you don't care about the criticism. And you don't care about them making fun of you. I've had them make fun of me my whole entire life. But I am used to it. I'm used to them making fun. I'm used to them saying all kinds of things. It only gives me strength. They can bind you all they want to. But the anointing's here to release you. Complexes will no longer have their hold on you. When you are unashamed of him. Strongholds will no longer have their hold on you when you are unashamed of Him. When you say, I refuse to give in. I refuse to give up. Give me this Holy Ghost. Give me this anointing. Give me this power. Give me this truth. Say, God, use me. I've been bound too long in my worship. I've been bound too long in my praise. I've been bound too long. I've let the power source be robbed away from me. But God, I give you everything. Until we can get to a spot, we are unashamed of him. You're not trash. You're the cream of the crop. If I could put my voice to you this morning, don't you be ashamed of the pillar of fire when he comes in and works through here. I know how the devil works. You got a real touch last night, didn't you? And the devil will come in and try to put his little eyes on you and make you ashamed of where you're at. I done preached enough of these camps to know that the devil comes in on Monday and Tuesday and tries to make you ashamed of the way that you acted during these camps. But this, what I'm speaking to you about is more than a camp anointing or a camp experience of emotion. But what I'm talking to you about is the power that will make you live out the message. Let me tell you. I'm not going to be here for you all the time. Brother Tim ain't going to be here for you all the time. Brother Ron and these other brothers, they won't be here for you all the time. But God said, I'll never leave you. And I'll never forsake you. 
Let me tell you, when you don't feel him, he's right there. When you are in the midst of your trial and you are utterly drained, drained from your trial, drained and there's no strength left in you, I will be there. When every hope is gone, he will be there. When your parents leave you, when men abuse you, he will be there. When failure after failure after failure keeps stacking up on your life, he will be there. When fear comes in, he will be there. When troubles come in, he will be there. But don't you be afraid. If he got in the boat with you young people, he's good enough. He's got enough power. He's got enough anointing. If he got in you in this camp service, you watched him. You watched him heal. You watched him feel. You watched him save. When he comes in, don't you be ashamed to wake him up. Come on now, I know, I'm, I know where I'm at right now. Don't you be ashamed to wake him up. He may have had just one of the greatest healing revivals that he's ever had. But don't you be ashamed when you go back to your school and friends are making fun of you and friends are calling you every little thing. You are at his feet. You know what it's like to feel his anointing. You know what it's like. Don't you be ashamed to wake him up. This is what he called you for. He got in the boat with you so that you could wake him up. Come on now. Come on. Come on. He's there. He's right there. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to fail you. Hallelujah. What did you take out of his hand? You didn't take a closed book. You took an open book. Come on, somebody. What are you holding? You're holding Jesus. I know, I know, Peter. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. You got out there on the water with him. But you got your eyes on Laodicea. You got your eyes on fashion. You got your eyes on what the rest of the world thought of you. And you're sinking. You're sinking. And you're going to drown. You're going to drown in your pity. You stay right there. Come on, you're going, down, you're going to drown in your depression. You're going to drown in your anxiety if you're going to stay right there. If you, I know you walked on the water once, but I want to tell you, Peter, you can walk on the water again. You've been here before. You know what it's like to break through. But I didn't recognize I would get hit again with the same troubles. That's making you sure proof that you got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's when Satan comes in and he attacks you. It's proof that he ain't got you. It's proof that the resurrection is here. It's proof that the power is here. Come on, Peter. Come on, Peter. Get back up. Get back up. 
He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of you. Walk back in the water with him. He sent the anointing for you. He didn't send it for the Baptists. He didn't send it for the church of God. He sent it for you. It'll be this message that takes us right into a body change. Why don't you lift your hands? Say, God, I want to be used. Take me where I need to go. Let me live the kind of life that could thunder out and shake the very kingdoms of hell. I know you're going through some trials, young people. But if you can look up just for a minute. Stop looking at your problems. Stop looking at where you've been. Stop looking at the sin in your life. Stop looking at family problems. Stop looking at the abusiveness. Look up. See, he's standing up waiting there for you. He's still there. Say, God, come. Come to my heart. Come to my life. Fill me with your spirit. Whatever you need me to be, Lord. Whatever you ask and whatever you draw, let me come to you. When I don't have strength to come after the battle, may you give me strength to rise above every chain. I'm not looking at a defeated bride today. I'm looking at ones that's got the courage to get back in the boat. Heavenly Father, right here in your presence now, Lord Jesus. Will we recognize, Lord God, that you are here. You've called us to be unashamed of this message and unashamed of your power. Lord, right here, right now, I ask that you come and strengthen your children. According to your promises, according to your riches and grace, that you have blessed them. Let your anointing fall upon their lives. I know what it's like to face the battles of a youth. Lord, May you give them the strength to overcome. While Samson was there in that prison, a new shook of hair began to grow out. You lived here once. You lived in the anointing once. You can live in it again. Lord, more than just a camp emotion more than just this moment in time but may they find the peace that passes all understanding and make them unashamed when critics rise and demons are fluttering at their door and William Branham said I would sit there and I could feel their them devil's scales rubbing up against me Time and time again, they would come to him and haunted him at nights. When that little demon was standing over their corner, mocking him and making fun of him, he said, Satan, you're an offense to me. He said, then the sweetest presence came. He said, never fear to go anywhere or do anything for the never failing presence of Jesus Christ is with us all. Lord, I know that this took a turn 
but you turned to tell them that you are here. You're there. You're always there. We are fellowshipping with the same Melchizedek. And it's time to have our victory once and for all. It's time to taste the sweet taste of victory. Lord. 
I worship and adore. 